Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Michael Jones. How are you doing, Michael? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Two games in and I kind of feel that we're still at a very similar point to earlier on in the season. And that might be partially for what you were just telling me before we started recording about the fixture lists. Yeah, the the way it's sort of seeded in Italy is that, you know, that you don't really get the really big games till sort of the third or fourth week of the season. But but we've still had a, a, a decent, um, you know, a couple of games so far. And we get, we're going to get into it, really, and see how the teams are shaping up uh, in these opening couple of weeks. So we'll start with the defending champions, Milan. Um, four points from their opening two games that they won against Udinese on the first weekend, 4-2. And then this weekend drew away at Atalanta, which, you know, seems a decent result. So, so four points. Um, they have conceded three goals and, you know, their title win last year, particularly the second half of the season, was based on the clean sheets they were keeping. So, you know, any reasons for concern for them so far or do you think they made a pretty solid start to their title defence? I think it's a solid enough start. I think there are reasons to be concerned. One of the things I said on the last podcast was just how much is the departure of Kessia going to impact them? I think we you look at that midfield, if anything, they look even more attacking with this kind of fluid front four they've been using in Macias, uh, Brahim Diaz, Rafa Liao and Ante Rebic. And, you know, whilst Pioli's team's kind of been defined by that work rate as well as the flair that they've shown at times, they are a little bit lightweight in terms, especially with the departure of Kessie in terms of that sort of combative midfielder. And I think the best they have to offer in that is Sandro Tonali. He seems to be becoming a bit more of an advancing the sort of deep line midfielder as time's gone on, I've, I've seemed to notice. So I think his his role may need to be worked on a little bit this season. I've seen they've been linked with um, a guy called Anana, not the one Everton just signed, but one from Bordeaux, who's just been relegated. It seems to be quite a similar profile to Kessie. I think Ida is his replacement, but I think he's not too experienced at the moment. But yeah, I think the Udinese victory, really good start to the season. Udinese is not an easy team to play. They're quite an entertaining team of anything last season. Um, Atalanta, I think if this was a result against the Atalanta of last season, it'd be poor. But I've been quite impressed with Atalanta so far. And I, I, I do think it's a good point. I mean, the goal they conceded was unfortunate as well. Bear in mind, Malinovsky's shot was did take a big deflection and there was a big slice of luck in that. But overall, I'd say it's a solid start. But there are slight areas of concern regarding that midfield at the moment. And we'll get a better idea of that probably in a few weeks. Yeah, I think with regards to we've got just over a week left of the transfer window. I've seen some uh, Milan fans online who are a little bit concerned about a couple of areas of the team, maybe an, another centre-back to to bring in just to strengthen that area, given that they missed out on Botman, maybe another central midfielder, as you say, with Kessier moving on and, and possibly a right winger. I know they've been linked with uh, Hakim Ziyech and... and even, even I think maybe even Christian Pulisic at one point. But are those the sort of areas you think they need to strengthen as well? I don't think wing is a position I would look to prioritise at the moment. I think if you look at the substitutions they made, they brought on the Kettler, who I know is a bit more central, but can kind of push one maybe Diaz out to a wide position. Salamak is a wide man. They, you know, they had have options. Yassine Adli's just joined another attacking midfielder. So, 
I definitely prioritised centre midfield and centre back. What I thought was interesting was that although they had Tonali on a yellow card and they they were pushing for the win, he he did make five substitutions and not look to use Tomaso Pabega, which maybe shows that maybe the Pioli doesn't quite have that faith in him yet. Maybe he's trying to bed him in a bit more slowly as well, which is could be quite a sensible move. But I certainly think centre midfield's a priority. I think at centre back at least they do have Kier as well, but be interesting to see sort of how he recovers from his injury as well. So yeah, I'd say that's sort of second priority, but centre midfield's a big one for me. Okay, nice. And and we're going to move on to Inter now, who of course pushed Milan all the way last year. Um, they've won both their games so far. As I said, it's really quite difficult to judge because they played Lecce and Spezia, and if they didn't win those games, you'd be a bit worried, to be honest. But in these early stages, are, are they maybe the side to beat this year? I, I felt like they were the side to beat last year, and that you know, defending their title, they didn't quite pull it off. You know, Correa got a goal on the weekend, and they've got Lukaku back. So with that sort of added firepower that they've got this year, Correa was there last year, but had a lot of injuries. Do you, do you see them maybe as as the slight favourites to win the league at this stage? Yeah, I think so. I think they've got the attacking options. They will be looking to keep the defensive options. We talked about Skriniar last time. I do know that they've been strongly linked with Trevor Chalobah, who yeah. is linked on loan from Chelsea. But what seems to happen with these Chelsea loanies is that they seem to go to Italy for a year, seem to be forgotten about by the Chelsea hierarchy, regardless of the ownership, and then they'll eventually get purchased and really develop. I, I think that'd be an amazing move if they got Chalabar. I think it'd be a wonderful bit of business. But kind of coming back to your question, they've certainly got the most firepower to win the league. I think, you know, in Barella and Chalanoglu, it's the perfect two players to play ahead of Brozovic and Lukaku Martinez, Correa, Dzeko to keep him. Options at wing-backs, in the wing-back positions also. I, I think this is a really exciting Inter Milan team, but I think it will just probably more depend on how they fare. They were maybe a bit one-dimensional in their attacking tactics last season, sort of very one way of playing under Simone and Zagia for Maybe teams just start to suss them out a little bit. Obviously, with better players, you've got and different profiles in the likes of Lukaku, you've got more options to slightly tweak that play and make that one style of play work. But they have to make sure that they're prepared in case, you know, they either have an injury crisis at the back and they may have to readjust playing a back three or something along those lines where, you know, they actually have to consider, okay, you know, are we able to play another formation if it comes to it? And I think that kind of versatility may be needed. That's maybe where I'm slightly concerned, but I mean, off current evidence, I mean, it's kind of what we're expecting, but they've done it emphatically. So yeah, no complaints so far. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting final week for Inter as well with regards to, as, as you say, will they be able to keep that defensive Skriniar, De Vrij and, um, and Bastoni together? Also talks about could, could Dumfries go? He's He's been really impressive first couple of weeks of the season, so need to keep hold of him as well. Um, I next want to move on to Napoli, actually, who, um, that, well, they finished third last season. I think a lot of people coming into this season, really didn't know what to expect with them. As, as we know, they've lost a few club legends. I don't think myself, you or Francesco a couple of weeks ago predicted them to get in the top four this year. But they've started on fire, haven't they, against against Hellas Verona and then against Monza. And and in particular, one player, uh, you know, um, 
Kavara, uh, the new signing, came in for Insigne. He looks a, a huge talent, right, doesn't he, in these opening couple of weeks? Yeah, I was really hoping you'd say his full name then, so I could then just show him to Kavara. But I'm sure we'll get there eventually <laughs> as the commentators yeah. celebrate him scoring more and more goals. I think, is he on three goals in two games? Is that right? In yeah, I, I think so. I think the first weekend he got he got a really nice assist as well. But this weekend, I mean, his two goals were amazingly taken, weren't they? First one cutting inside and in off the post, and the second one with the dummy, and then and then fired it into the bottom corner. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Insigne was at Napoli so long, and and you know, a bit of a club legend. Um, but but I don't know. Could, could this guy be any? Could this guy be even better? Are people getting carried away? What what do you what do you make of him so far? Oh, I mean, it's so easy to get carried away about him. But he's he's one of those players, especially because not many people knew an awful lot about him before he arrived in Serie A. People knew he was meant to be an exceptional kind of generational talent from Georgia, maybe sort of going back to the days of sort of Georgie King say in the 90s when he was ripping it up in the Prem. But, you know, he's he's a, he is a really exciting player. And <clears throat> I do think he's maybe got a bit more you know, especially sort of with so much space to, and time on his side to develop as well, it really looks like, I don't think they would have been able to bring him in with Lorenzo Insigne in the team and keep both of them happy because they both clearly have to occupy that left-hand side from early evidence on Kamara as well. And if anything, this could actually prove to be a little bit of a masterstroke because you'd suspect he's on much lower wages than Insigne was. Insigne has had a great career in Naples and will always kind of be revered, revered as a club legend. But yeah, his goals were just fantastic. I'm, I'm really in, in, enjoying this new like, Napoli team. And I think that sort of the increased mobility that Carrara gives, and he's a bit stronger, obviously doesn't take much to be taller than Insigne and a bit more physical as well. But I think it's maybe bringing out some really star and strong performances in those around him. So Peter Zielinski, have an exceptional game in the victory against Monza, who I'm not impressed with at all. Victor Simeon led the line emphatically. They just couldn't live with him the whole game. And for a relatively new look, I know Cavara was kind of the only player in that final four, but it's a big change to that final four. They they do they've seemed to settle very quickly, and I'm, I'm really impressed with that. And it is just important to bear in mind that they started super fast last season on the Spalletti. And it may be a case of, will it be them repeating those tricks? But yeah, again, very impressive so far. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks um, it looks like, as we said, we, we focused on Vara there, but the rest of the team's coming together well, of course. They, they've kept Anguissa from last season and he's looking good again. They've, they've brought in Kim and he's made a good start in central defence. Um um, but but as you say, you know, last season they made such a good start and they were in the title race from the start until about three games to go, I think it was. That sort of Empoli defeat at the end of the season ended their title challenge, but they were right in it the whole way. This season, do you think there's any chance maybe a little less pressure on them? Maybe they go under the radar a bit and, and surprise a few people? Yeah, definitely. Do you know what I think helps with them is the kind of with when they had Insigne and Khalidu Koulibaly, as important as they were for Napoli, there was almost this onus that they had to challenge for the league or try and win. And with Dries Mertens as well, that they almost had to win the league with those players there. And I can't, you kind of got that feeling last season, you know, will it, will they, won't they? 
in regards to, you know, what a romantic ending it would have been to all of their Napoli careers. Obviously, we didn't know for sure that Koulibaly was leaving, but and neither Mertens def definitively, but, you know, there were both distinct possibilities and Insigne was a certainty. I think what helps now with the fresh blood coming in, in Kim Min Jai as well, their South Korean centre-back, who's really surprised me actually by how sort of seamlessly he's slotted in so far. Uh, I know they've got that Matthias Oliveira from Hitafe, I believe it is. So they've got a few options now. And yeah, I think the investment's been sound. They've got a really good mix of sort of type of players they've got. They've got decent depth, especially in the middle of the park where another team don't. In, in in what I think anyway. But yeah, I, I think they could surprise people this season. I'd be very surprised at this stage if they were to push for the title. But you just never know. I mean, the Simeon's surely getting to that point where he really needs a season where he's going to be the standout striker in the division. Kavara could be the breakout player in the division. Those don't seem two distinct possibilities, you know. Zielinski, massive talent, and he looks to be sort of coming into his own as sort of taking the helm as maybe Napoli's main man. So if there is all this kind of happening all at the same time, and I really rate Spalletti as a manager, then you just never know, do you? But I think the way they started the season is maybe just maybe got people's attention a little bit more, and it's nice to see. Yeah, definitely. Really positive start from Napoli um, and, get, and getting that goal difference up early. Um, but as you mentioned there about strength and depth in midfield, and I think you were maybe edging towards what's going on at Juve at the moment. I might be wrong on that. Um, but that, they've started with four points from their opening two games. Started with a convincing win against Sassuolo, a couple of goals for Vlahovic, debut goal for Di Maria. He got injured in that game and is now out. Um, we're still not sure how long Di Maria is going to be out for. They're, of course, also missing Pogba and, and Bonucci's picked up an injury as well. What do you make of Juve? Because they only drew on Monday night against Sampdoria. It was it was a bit of a dire game. That midfield, Rabiot still around, McKenney played. It, it's a concern, isn't it? Yeah, it's a real concern. I mean... The prospect of last time we spoke, it almost looked like Rabiot was on his way to Manchester United, which I guess is always why we should take these rumours and or transfer negotiations because they seem pretty concrete, but with a pinch of salt. And the fact that he's just been able to sort of waltz his way back into this first team in Juventus sort of so easily, yet still have the same minimal impact that he's kind of had for his whole Juventus career is super ironic. And I just don't understand how, yeah, Allegri's decided it's a good idea to play him. I mean, they've got good players, players who've kind of stood out in pre-season. We talked about Fagioli. I would have liked to have seen him. Nico Ravella didn't start, but he had a great season on loan at Genoa last time out. Despite that. And even Zakaria, I mean, I don't know what Zakaria's sort of fitness situation is like at the moment, but the fact he didn't play, I don't know if maybe they were trying to break um, you know, they were doing it in a sense to break Sampdoria down. But I saw Vlahovic had five, maybe five touches in the whole game. I, I, One I, of them I, was I, from I the kickoff. He, I think he had nine in the end. Nine. But yeah, it, it was a really no, low number. I've also seen some New Bay fans calling for Moretti to be given more of a go. Um, but yeah, yeah he came on for McKenney, didn't he? But 
Yeah. I just think it's what's 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 so striking is for all Juve's so-called investment this summer, they started as wingers with Juan Quadrado and Philip Kostic. Now, I think both players are very good set. Well, Quadrado, great serve, and Kostic, an excellent-looking signing. Both seem to be signed as wing-backs. Surely that could have given him a bit more flexibility with the formation. And it seemed to be too little too late when we saw Moisa Ken brought on. I don't know how, where he fares in Allegri's plans, but they do seem to be in a bit of a sort of juxtaposition at the moment where they've got all these players. And it seems from the outside, it's quite transparent where they are in Allegri's plans. And you almost feel like he's managing parts of a team where ideally he wouldn't have them and they don't have the managers fall back in. And that really, that uh, reflected in the performance against Sampdoria where they were just l- lacking inspiration massively. I don't know if you've seen this image going round on on Twitter of there's there's a still frame from the game where there's no midfield and and there's a defensive line and then the, there's there's just basically a, a sort of thirty to forty meter gap between the defence and the attack and nothing in between other than Sampdoria players and that just sort of summed up the sort of confused thinking. I I, I know that. I think you and Francesco both thought that Juve would, you know, be up higher in the table this season, not win in the league, but, you know, maybe second or third. Has, has your opinion changed in the last couple of weeks? Um, I guess it's still a bit too early to tell, but are there, are there worrying signs already that you feel perhaps it's going to be another year like the last couple we've seen from them? Not hugely. I think three, three players, it could be their three best players, three of the best Creative players this season in Pogba, Di Maria and Chiesa, all out injured, but all due, well, maybe not Pogba, but Chiesa and Di Maria should be back as to what extent Chiesa, you know, he'll be gradually sort of integrated back in, but they'll hopefully both be back on the playing field by the end of September. I think just having one of those on the pitch would have got Juventus the victory last night. I really think it was weak opposition they were against and it didn't take much, but they really just didn't have much on the pitch. And it is, yeah, I mean, they do have a bit of a long injury list. But we we saw against Sassuolo that they did have quite a clear strategy against a team that was prepared to play against them more, was prepared to be more open. And I think Allegri, they will be a better team in those types of matches this season. But it's very much the case of getting, getting three points on a very regular basis against teams we're expected to be. And they need to make sure they start a bit faster than they did last season because they started last season so slowly. I remember this time last year, I think they lost to Empoli 2-1, I think it was. And they were dropping, you know, they're in the relegation zone by September, weren't they? So that's surely something that they'll have to draw on from experience and know that those energy levels, at the very least, have to be increased um, for the next game. But, you know, if this is an early warning for them, it's pretty quick and... It's going to be really interesting to see how they respond, I think. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. And, and and they've got an interesting game coming up this weekend, which which we'll talk about later. Um, I want to move on to Roma now because we, we were really excited about Roma a couple of weeks ago coming into the season. They've had two 1-0 wins so far against uh, Salernitana and Cremonese. So, again, games you'd expect them to win. It hasn't been lights out football, though. How they only scored one against Salernitana, I, I don't know. It was... Pretty ridiculous. Um, the thing with Roma is, 
I don't know, over the years, they've had this horrible injury record, uh, usually with ACLs, actually. But they've had a couple this week with uh, Vinalden fracturing his tibia. I think he's expected to be out for maybe around three months. Or they're, they're not sure whether he's going to have surgery or have one of these sort of conservative therapies, a bit like Pogba, to maybe give him a, a chance of making the World Cup. And then there's Zaniolo, who hurt his shoulder yesterday and still finding out how serious that is. How How big... Are those losses, do you think? And do you think Rome will be able to cope if they're out for a sort of significant... Well, we know Van Damme going to be out for a significant period, but Zaniolo as well? Or, or, or do, you think they, do you think they've got enough to be able to cope without those two? I, I think Zaniolo was sensational in that opening game and he was a massive reason why Roma should have scored a bucket load of goals against Salernitana. So based off early form, I think he looked pretty sharp in pre-season. I think that will be a bit of a blow uh, creative-wise. I mean, Dybala's also looked okay. He's looked quite good um, so far. The Roma aren't short on creativity. And look, it is a blow, but have they not signed Wijnaldum, for example? Could we be looking at Zaniolo and Cristante, for example, getting injured? And had they, you know, then they would, their only options, sort of decent options would be Pellegrini, Matic, both Europa League and Serie A. So, they do have, I think is one of the things we talked about last time was they have really addressed depth in their squad and they certainly do have more options. They've still not got rid of Sharumidov. Um, so that's another attacking option that they can rely on. But they might, I think the main changes will probably just see a slight change in the way Tamri Abraham's used with Dybala. Maybe they will put an extra midfielder in and then just have Dybala playing closer to Tamri Abraham, which could bring a bit more out of Dybala. Maybe just give him a bit more space in the final third to sort of add to those numbers that he's done, you know, in Italy for so many years. But I'm not overly concerned. I mean, Saniolo's only out for a few weeks. Wijnaldum, yeah, it looks like he could even be missing the World Cup. But it's very much a case with Wijnaldum. We don't quite know what we've got with him for Rome yet. He struggled at PSG last season. And, you know, we've not really, we've hardly seen him in a Roma shirt. So I think the squad shouldn't suffer too much in its current status as an effect of it. But Obviously, it would be nice having them around. Yeah, and and then we'll move on to uh to you know their biggest rivals, of course, Lazio, who, who've got four points from their game so far. They played a uh, Bologna and Torino. Um, I guess that's a decent start for for Lazio, and um, that as as you said a couple of weeks ago, they made some decent signings. Are you still pretty confident from what you've seen so far that? They're on course for a good season. I think you predicted them to come fourth a couple of weeks back. Um, are you still thinking along those lines, happy with what you've seen? I mean, I don't think they look a bad team, but compare it to Napoli's opening performances, I'm kind of looking at that and thinking, well, Napoli were far superior in a mm-hmm. couple of games. So it'll be interesting to judge that. But I watched the game against Torino and... I mean, Torino were just such a difficult team to play against for any of the big sides. They were last season. I think the squad, if anything, looks stronger on paper this season, even with the departure of Andrea Bellotti. Obviously, he wasn't such the focal point he was last season. Certainly wasn't as effective. But the introductions of Vlasic, they they, they made life quite difficult. And I think Scherz is just right for my ex as well. I know he didn't play, but they... They're going to be a really difficult team for any team in the top seven. You know, put Lazio against Monza. I think we'd see a far more free-flowing Napoli. I would have 
dreaded to think what would have happened to that Monza defence with Immobile sort of just running between the lines. They're not the fastest defence either. I think he would have uh, could have e- would have easily scored a hat trick in that game. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still thinking Lazio looked quite good. I've caught, got a glimpse of Marcos Antonio. Looked a little bit lightweight off first impressions, but he looks quite a good ball player. Kind of very similar in the mold to Fred, more than maybe a bit more of a sort of traditional number six where we maybe break up the ball a bit more. He's kind of a keeps things ticking and does get stuck in the tackles, but isn't maybe going to dominate those midfield battles when he came off the bench. But yeah, overall, I think there's still reasons for optimism for Lazio. I think they've. I'm still quite confident, but. Yeah, we just want to see them get into a bit of a bigger test. Yeah, and we'll get to see that soon, of course. Um, so that that's run through the uh, you know the the top six from last season. Now, in the last few years, we've obviously seen Atalanta break into that top six. Um, do you do you think they're the most likely side to get back into that top six this year, or have have you seen anyone else in the opening couple of weeks that you feel? You know, you've been quite impressed by and think could have a chance of of, of pushing in, into the top six this year. No, I think the you know we're looking at the top eight, it's top six, top eight, and I think the only teams that have a chance are Atalanta and Fiorentina. Mm-hmm. Wasn't very impressive Fiorentina against Empoli. I thought they were quite lethargic, really, in the Tuscany derby, and they just didn't really get going. Um, but so I mean it's going to be interesting to see with them I think one thing I cons- hadn't really factored in with them when I was quite optimistic about their season was you know are they this is their first time in six years is it in Europe so they're going to have to really try and balance Thursday nights the weekend and that I think that showed already in the game against them play after what well, wasn't a straightforward game against FC Twente but Atalanta, I'd certainly say so. I think Gasparini, the the ways the way he is on the touchline, the way the players just seem a bit more revved up. He's it's almost like a bit of a last dance kind of feeling with Atalanta and Gasparini. I don't think there's long left in that relationship. I can't see there being many more than two seasons max. I do think this might be his last season, and I think his at a minimum they'll be so determined to push for the top four. I think they just about still have the quality to do that, and they have the coach to do it. But it's going to be a big challenge because I think since they were last in the top four, the teams around them have strengthened considerably. Yeah, I think it's interesting with Atalanta with the uh, whole Malinowski situation. I don't know if you saw all this with Gasparini sort of came out on, was it Friday? or Yeah, I think it was Friday saying sort of, we want a midfielder who can score more than six goals in a season. It looked like Malinowski could be off. I know he's been linked with Tottenham among other clubs. Um, and then he started in the next day and he, he, of course, scored against Milan. So, uh, yeah, a typical Gasparini, really. Yeah, I've seen Nottingham Forest thrown in there as well, which... Oh, bloody hell, Nottingham Forest brought everyone. They brought a whole new squad. Well, they've got Froilo already, which for 10 million is a bit of a steal. But I I don't know. I mean, I know this isn't a podcast about Nottingham Forest, but I really kind of fear for some of the players going there because they're signing way... I think Forest have signed good players, but way too many for their own good. And we really, if they're not going to get the chances to get used to the Prem and stuff, it'd be really sad to see the likes of Freud and Malinowski go there and maybe not shine as much as they could in a better environment, which I think Atalanta in Bergamo is for them. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you on that. Um, so you said, as, as you say, uh, Atalanta and Fiorentina probably the most likely to challenge that top six. At the other end of the table, we've seen the three promoted clubs are the only ones who haven't got a point yet. Um, I, is there a particular club that you're really worried about over these first couple of weeks that you've been like, oh, God, they look pretty awful? <laughs> yeah, Monza and Lecce. You know what? Cremonese have actually surprised me. I, I think they've given, they gave Roma a good game. I think they gave them a much better game than Salernitana did in the opening in uh, last week. Obviously, they are 3-2, really. We were so close to getting a point against Fiorentina only for uh, Radu, Yannick Radu's horrendous error from yeah. uh, Rolando Mantragora. But less said about that, the better, because I think he's had so much stick for doing very little, but not doing very little badly. Um well, for doing very little badly, sorry, <laughs> during the time we've been doing these podcasts. But he, um, yeah, I think overall they, I, I kind of like their investment as well. I'll kind of come back on, I know I'm not answering your question here, but I did just want to give them a bit of credit. I mean, Kirikas is strong signing, Jigglione, oh God, here's some bad pronunciations coming up, Asasabar, who is at Stuttgart, I think in the past, I think that's a really shrewd acquisition. He seems to have settled in. Straight away, whereas Monza, I think they made pretty wholesale changes between the Torino match and the Napoli game. Injury to Ranocchia in the second half as well. Andrea Ranocchia in the second half. And it's, I think, you know, it could, it kind of reminds me of like a QPR, like 2013, <laughs> 2014. I'm really getting that vibe. So even though a lot of the players are signing aren't like, deep into their 30s or anything. A couple of them are, but not most of them are. A lot of them have a point to prove, you know, but the, there seems to be something really ill-fitting about this team and watching them, like, nobody seemed to have a clue what they were doing. Like, you kind of expect that for a team that have just built a new team coming up, but I'm, I'm, I'm seriously concerned for Monza. I've not caught much of Lecce so far, but I mean, they've, they've not started too handsomely either, but albeit against a super tough opposition. Yeah, they they got they gave Inter a decent game the first weekend, but uh, but yeah, um, a couple of defeats for them. But yeah, with, with Monza, I feel like they need the transfer window to just close. Really, no more players in because they've already <laughs> made a load of changes and just see if they can piece it together as the season goes on. I suppose uh, interesting comparison with QPR, though. I quite like that. Berlusconi sort of the new Tony Fernandez. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Looking ahead to this weekend, as, as I mentioned earlier, it sort of starts to hot up a little bit this weekend. Um, a little bit of spice, shall we say. Friday night, we've got Lazio Inter. And Saturday early evening is Juve Roma. Do, do you think maybe th this is the weekend where we'll see sort of, we'll get a real taste of how these teams are looking when they get into their first sort of big games? Maybe this is a chance for Inter to put down a marker away at Lazio and, and, and Juve, Roma, you know, neither side have produced fireworks yet. C can we can we tell a bit more about these sides once this weekend's over, do you think? Yeah, I mean, certainly there's a sizable gulf between the two teams. I mean, with Inter and Lazio, I'd say Lazio have recruited slightly more, but neither have had too much of an overhaul this summer. So pre-season-wise and coming into the season, you wouldn't say sort of one team's ahead of the other in terms of where they should be. And, you know, we're just discussing Monza. Monza are probably an example of a team that are almost in their pre-season now. So these teams should be at a similar stage. The game actually being in Rome as well, 
I think, yeah, that is a potential for a huge statement from either side. I think it's Lazio's chance to say we're ready to compete here again and, you know, really put into the sword defensively. And I do think they will cause Inter Milan problems during the game. Or if Inter Milan have that ability to wipe them away, sort of banishing, I can't remember, I think Lazio did win at home. They, they, did, they, they, they beat into last season. This was quite an ill-tempered game as well. I don't know if you remember that um, one of Lazio's goals was scored when Inter Milan had a player down and Inter were quite annoyed they didn't kick the ball out. So, yeah, this was quite an ill-tempered game last season. So, as I said, maybe that could add a bit of a bit of spice to this one. Yeah, definitely. And I, So, I, I think there's loads there. And then... I think that will certainly be the more entertaining one on the eye. I'm not holding out too much hope for Roma versus Juventus, given the sort of team score lines this season. Neither team have conceded, and they'll probably both look to be preserving that going into their third game as well. I wouldn't even be surprised if it's a priority for both teams to actually just emerge. They've both taken nil-nil draw. I actually think they both would. So if that's the case, I think we'll learn absolutely nothing about either team that we know <laughs> now, which isn't great at all. But there is that hope that maybe wanting to take the initiative. If I was Roman, Jose Mourinho, I'd be saying, what an opportunity. You know, you've got yeah. quite a deflated Juventus side at the moment. Okay, Roma have had a couple of recent injuries, but they've got better depth on paper, more balance from the squad in paper on the moment. I think they can really take this thing to Juventus, but we'll, we kind of need to see how ambitious they're going to be in these big games because if they are holding out for draws early on. Does it signify... That their ceiling, their perceived ceiling for the season is actually just securing top four, which isn't the worst thing in the world. But if they're really going for the win, maybe it's a bit more of a statement of intent. Just given, maybe not the case of other clubs, but the way Mourinho manages and the way Roma played under him, I think that it's going to be a good barometer in that sense of what Roma do as opposed to Juventus. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I feel this is a good opportunity for Roma. They, they've had a really poor record at the Allianz Stadium over the years. But if they can get this win, of course, Mourinho going back to Turin, uh, he's not very popular with the Juve fans from his Inter days when he went back there with Man United as well and did the, you know, the cupping his hand to his ear. Um, we love that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting game. And, um Plenty of other stuff coming over over the weekend as well. Fiorentina Napoli could be an interesting one on Sunday night. So, and, and then of course next week we've actually got a midweek round. So we'll try and get a podcast in in between that and and see how things are shaping up after the weekend. Uh, but thanks a lot for joining me, Michael, and thanks everyone for listening. And and we'll catch you again next week. Ciao.